Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, it's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. God bless you. We are in our series of territories. We're now making a big shift. We're moving from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We have been uh, tracking along with the narrative of the Bible. If you've been with us or listening to the podcast at reallife.la, you know we've followed the story of God giving land to Abraham and Sarah, them losing the land, them returning back to the land, King David ruling over the land, Solomon building a temple, them losing the land again, and then finally Ezra and Nehemiah leading them back into the land, the territory that was to be theirs. Today we're going to pick up with the story of Jesus and specifically what the disciples believed they were supposed to do with their territory after Jesus rose from the dead. And that's right where we're going to dive in today. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you uh, call us into new territories, that when we uh, face life, we face it not with a mentality of scarcity, not retracting and defending ourselves, but with a, a mentality of abundance, knowing that you have called us into the world and sent us out into the world and that you supply our needs. So teach us to go about our lives and our ministry, seeking to expand your territory, uh, knowing that it is it is in your hands, knowing that you empower us to do it, knowing that without, with you, uh, we cannot fail. Uh, and now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. As you know, Jesus walks the earth in the territory that was first given to Abraham and Sarah. In his day, it's, it's ruled over by the Roman Empire. And so they're waiting for a day where the, the kingdom will finally transfer back into the hands of Israel, where it will be theirs and they will rule over themselves. Rome will be gone, Caesar will be gone, Herod will be gone, and they will have their own land again. And they've been waiting for this for centuries, for millennia. They want a kingdom. And so Jesus shows up, and if you look at the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, Jesus' first message, his first sermon to them is, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And when he says the word kingdom, he is speaking their love language. They want a kingdom in the earthly sense. A king with walls and armies and a growing empire around them. They want a kingdom. And so when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is near, that is their love language. That's what they've been waiting for. They don't realize that Jesus' vision for the kingdom is bigger than theirs. They are envisioning a nation. He is envisioning all the nations. He's envisioning a kingdom that goes to the ends of the earth. And so we're going to look at uh, this kind of, this funny conversation that happens right before Jesus ascends into heaven after he's risen from the dead. Starting in Acts chapter 1 at verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to give us our nation back? The land that was given to Abraham and Sarah, the land that David was the king of, the land that Solomon built a temple on, the land that Ezra and Nehemiah migrated back into again. Is now the time you're going to give us this kingdom back again? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set 
by his own authority, right? There will be a time where, where God's kingdom reigns on the earth again, but you will not know that time. Stop running to the book of Revelation and trying to calculate when the world is going to end. You're not going to know that time. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What's going to happen is not that I'm going to give you a kingdom. What's going to happen is that my spirit is going to reside in you. And when you have my presence around you, and my power within you, and my vision for you in front of you, you don't need to worry about controlling a nation. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. And that's, that's, what, uh, that's, that's what's happening here at the end of Jesus' life. What, what's, what's happening is a confusion that's been in the minds of the disciples all along. They think Jesus is a king who's going to establish a kingdom just like King David did. And they're waiting for it. They want that. At one point, James and John kind of sidle up alongside Jesus and say, when you enter into your kingdom, can we sit at your right and your left-hand side? And when I was young and I first read that, I thought, are they thinking like in heaven that there's a bunch of chairs and they want to sit close to him? It's not that at all. This is an earthly kingdom. They're saying, when you become the king of Israel, can we be your secretary of state and your vice president? We're trying to cut out the other disciples, so they're, they're only cabinet members, right? That's why the other disciples get mad at them. They want an earthly kingdom. And Jesus has in mind something much bigger. Jesus, Jesus has in mind a vision that goes beyond what they have ever conceived of before. So now Jesus has died. He's been crucified. And they were terrified. And he's risen from the dead. And they don't understand what that means yet. And, and so they go back to what they know. They say, is, is now the time we go back to the, the temple where God's spirit lives? Where God's spirit rests on the Ark of the Covenant in the temple? Do, do we go back and we reestablish that now? And Jesus says, that's, that's not where... That's not where the Spirit is anymore. Uh, let me show you where the Spirit went. Look at um, Matthew chapter 27 at verse 50. Matthew 27 at verse 50. Jesus is on the cross. He is dying. It is the last seconds of his life. And at this point, something profound happens that only makes sense if you understand the, the, the Hebrew scriptures in the context uh, of this little reference. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The Hebrews believed that God's spirit rested on the, the Ark of the Covenant, that golden box in which the Ten Commandments, the tablets of the Ten Commandments had been kept. And that golden box was put in the center of the temple, in the, the secret room called the Holy of Holies that only the high priest could go into. And only once a year and only after uh, specific purification rituals. God's spirit was to be kept separate and safe at the heart of the temple, separate from dirty humanity around it. And in front of that holy of holies, there's a, a curtain that was, that was sewn. And the book of Exodus describes in detail how it's supposed to look. How, and it's a big, thick curtain, not a, not a little sheer one. Big, thick curtain with tapestry, giant from top to bottom of the temple. And when Jesus dies... The curtain that kept God's spirit safe from dirty, broken humanity 
was torn in two from top to bottom. That is the word of God telling us that when Jesus died on the cross, a payment for our sins, God's spirit was now on the loose. Our sins are paid for when we believe in him. So when we believe in him, there's no longer this separation, this divide between God's pure spirit and broken sinful humanity. Our sins were paid for at the cross, and now God's spirit is on the loose. So Jesus rises from the dead, and the disciples say, should we go back to the place where the spirit is? In the temple, in the Holy of Holies. Should we reestablish Jerusalem? Should we have a kingdom so God's spirit can be safe and and be in the center of of the world there? And Jesus says, "That's, that's not where the spirit is anymore. You will receive the spirit in power. The spirit is on the move. And when God's territory moves, you move with it. That is the message of the New Testament. The the Hebrew Scriptures, the whole narrative that we've been looking at so far, was God's people trying to secure Israel to be their territory. And now God's Spirit is on the move. And when God's territory moves, you move with it. That is the message for the church today. When God's territory is on the move, you are on the move. Uh, this is, a, this is a, a, something we, we've all seen before because we all know what it feels like to try to run back to uh, places that have been safe for us. Uh, for, you, for you single people out there who are dating, uh, you ever have that moment where uh, you end a relationship because it's just super toxic uh, and you're bad for each other and they're bad for you and you're bad for them and you know the relationship should not go on and all your friends have told you the relationship should not go on. So you finally work up the courage and you end that relationship. And on week one, day one after the breakup, you're like, I am a, I'm a strong person. I'm an, I'm an independent person. I stand on my own two feet. I, I, do, not, I do not need anyone. Uh, I, I, can, I can do this on my own. Week one, day one, it's a good day. Week one by about day six, you're like, hey, bae, how you doing? What's going on? <laughs> Where are you? Where you at? And the answer comes back, still in prison, but I'll be coming for you soon. You're like, whoa, whoa. Right? We, we, run back, we run back to what we know. And, and it is sometimes harder to accept an unfamiliar health than to accept a familiar toxicity. It is sometimes harder to, ex- uh, to accept a healthy place because it's unfamiliar to us. And we want to go running back to an unhealthy place because it's familiar. That's what the disciples are doing here. The spirit has moved. And they're saying, shouldn't we go back? God's territory is on the move. And they're saying, shouldn't we go back to where we experienced God's territory before? That, that happens throughout the story of the Bible. There, there's a, a time in the book of Genesis where the land of Egypt saves God's people. They're starving, and Egypt is full of food, so they go running off to Egypt, and Egypt provides for them. But a few centuries later, Egypt has them in slavery. Egypt has has turned corrupt towards the Jewish people, and so they flee out into the wilderness. But it it is easier to accept a familiar toxicity than an unfamiliar healthy place. And so while they are wandering in the wilderness, they turn against Moses say, why did he bring us out here in the desert to die? 
at least in, at least in Egypt, they had good barbecue. That, that is what it says in the book of Exodus. At least in Egypt, we had barbecue we could eat. Out here in the desert, you just have bread that falls out of the sky. Right? And, yeah, I mean, you got to sympathize. If I were ever to just, you know, become corrupt and run from God, it would probably be over barbecue. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that if there were an issue that were a make-or-break issue for me, I would probably sin and fall into darkness because of barbecue. I understand. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying I sympathize. That's what was going on. But what, what was going on, what's at the heart of that? was God's people were saying this, this, this unfamiliar world in which we're, we're wandering towards a, a promise of hope, a promise that God is leading us, a promise that God has plans for us, and that's, it's scary because it's new. You know what's not scary and what's not new? Egypt, because we've been there. And yes, we were enslaved, and yes, they treated us horrible, but you knew what to expect. You knew there was going to be breakfast in the morning when you woke up. Shouldn't we go back to the familiar, albeit toxic, instead of trusting the God who wants to lead us to something new and healthy? Real life church gets this. Because real life church is a church on the move. When other churches out there are dying and closing their doors because they're still singing the same dirges from decades ago and they're, they're mad that any new songs have been written. When, when other churches out there will not communicate in new ways, though the styles of communication in the modern world have changed. When, when other churches out there are still counting on a culture in which people feel obligated to, to go to church. Real life is doing something different. At real life, we are singing a new song. We are singing a new song because God has put a new song on our hearts. We are communicating in new ways because in the age of the internet, people are not drawn to classrooms, they're drawn to community. We, we are living in a world in which people do not feel obligated to go to church, and we know it. And that is why we are a church that lives to reach out to lost people. We are apprentice shepherds following the good shepherd who loves chasing after lost sheep. Real life gets this because we have always been a church on the move. There has never been a time where that's not the case. We have not had two years the same at real life. And that's what God wants. God wants a people who are on the move so that when God's spirit moves, we move with it. When God's territory moves, we move with it. What God does not need is a people who keep looking backwards and saying, remember when, let's go back to the way it was. Churches die when they do that. Let's, let's not ever break stride with the spirit of God. Let's stay close on its heels. This is what was going on with Jesus and the disciples here at the end. Jesus knows that the, the curtain has torn in half. The spirit is on the move. God's territory is moving. And, and they're still thinking, well, maybe God's territory is going to be back in the temple in the land of Israel, and we should go and establish it. So, so now where is the spirit at this point? The curtain is torn in two. Spirit's on the loose. Where is it? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you know... That you yourselves are God's temple. And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. Paul is writing to the church in the Greek city of Corinth. And telling the people of Corinth that they need to honor their bodies and honor their gatherings. Because they are God's temple. 
And the Greek here actually says God's spirit dwells in you, but the word you is plural. God's spirit dwells in, in the South, I, I used to live in Texas, we'd say in all y'all, right? Back, back, back in Texas, when, when you met you in the plural, you would say God's spirit dwells in all y'all. And that's what this says. That's why it's translated here uh, in the NIV. God's spirit dwells in your midst, among you, uh, in all y'all. Because God's spirit dwells in the people of God, in the church. It's not hidden away in a temple somewhere where you have to go and find it. God's spirit now dwells in you. Paul is speaking to a church and saying, Jesus is your foundation, and that never changes. But now God's spirit is on the loose. And God's spirit dwells in you. So wherever God's spirit moves, you move with it. it it's kind of like, like when a, a magician does a little uh, a coin trick. Uh, you imagine he's performing for little kids and he has a, a coin and he makes it disappear. And then he tells the kid in the front row, now reach in your, in your front pocket. And the kid pulls out and the coin is in the kid's front pocket. And he has no idea how it got there. That's kind of what Jesus has done here. The spirit has always been in the temple. For a thousand years it's been in the temple. And Jesus says, now look around, guess where the Spirit is? It's right there in you. You've got it. I don't think Jesus ever says the words ta-da, but if he did, it'd be in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Spirit's in you now. Uh, or another metaphor for you uh, Bay Area people. Um, when you make sourdough bread, uh, you start with a, you start with a, a starter, and it, and it grows and becomes a loaf of bread. But if you break off some of the starter and set it aside, but put it back in the freezer, you can, you can grow a loaf of bread out of that that starter that you've got there, but you can pull the part out of the, the fridge later on and let it expand and then break off another part and, and grow a loaf of bread out of that. It's, it's, it's like a magic trick. And then, and then you take that starter again and let it grow some more and you can break off another part and grow another loaf of bread. And the same, the same little starter that, that you had from the beginning can be used over and over and over again to make more and more bread. And that's how the Holy Spirit works in us. You don't, you don't have to go back to the, the first source uh, every time. You don't have to go back to the temple where the, the Holy Spirit is locked away in the Holy of Holies. God's Spirit is now in you. And when you go and you pray for people, and you go and you share Jesus' name with people, and you go and you love lost people in Jesus' name, you, you spread God's Spirit as you go. Jesus never changes, and the gospel never changes, but we are missionaries on the move. And when we move, God's Spirit moves with us. And wherever God's Spirit moves, we will go too. Here in the New Testament, in this millennia-long search for a kingdom, Jesus now changes the game. He says, always before you have fought to get back to Israel, to reclaim this land, this territory, and to call it your own. Now the kingdom is on the move. Where you go, the Spirit goes. And where the Spirit goes, you go. And you go to the ends of the earth and claim territory for the kingdom as you go. I'm going to say this at, at risk to my job security here. The, the clergy, the pastors, do not own the church. The church belongs to the people because the people are the church. And where the people of God go, the church goes with them. You don't come here to get church. You take church with you where you go. 
And Jesus says to them, you're going to go to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You're going to go to your neighborhood, to the surrounding neighborhoods, and to the ends of the earth. And that's what real life is doing. That's what we're all about. That is our calling and our mission. We're going to start in March giving away groceries on our Glendora campus. We're going to start in our own territory reaching out to the neighborhoods around us. We're going to start here in February. We're going to start a ministry called Alpha, where we invite people to a free dinner and conversation about the gospel in a restaurant in Glendora. We're going to go to the neighborhoods around us. We're going to go outside our own doors. And later on this year, we're going to go down to Tijuana and we're going to build a church for people that we may have met, never met before and may never meet again. But we're going to keep going beyond the bounds of our own little safe enclave. Because when God's spirit is on the move, we are on the move. When God's territory moves, you move with it. Here's a, a closing uh, image uh, I want to leave us with. Uh, I was thinking about the, um, the moment at which Jesus is baptized in the Gospels. Uh, he, he goes to John the Baptist, and though Jesus has never never sinned, he, he says he needs to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And as he is dunked below the waters and rises again, it says that the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and rested upon him. Somehow visibly, they witnessed the Holy Spirit descending out of heaven and resting on Jesus. When you believe in Jesus, when you make the decision to believe that he died for you on the cross and that he will be your Lord, that he will lead your life, the Holy Spirit rests on you. So, so picture this. Picture this. This dove comes down out of heaven and rests on, rests on Jesus, and they, visibly they can see it. What, when, when, the, when the dove rests on you, what, what do you have to do to keep it there? What do you have to do to make sure you don't don't move too fast and lose it. What do, you have to make, what do you have to do to make sure you don't startle it and scare it away? The, the Bible says don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't offend it. And don't quench it. Don't clip its wings. Let it do what it wants. When God's Spirit rests on you, the way to make sure that you never lose it that you never chase it away. That it never flies in one direction when you're walking in the other. The way to, to, to hold on to it is to attend to it with every step. Never take your eyes off of it. Pay attention to it with every step of every day. When you wake up in the morning, start the conversation with Jesus first thing. My day belongs to you. What do you want to do with my day? Where are we going today? Who will we talk to today? For the commitments that I have made, show me what I need to say. Show me how to bless the people I encounter. At each step of the day, stop and pause and say, am I listening to the Spirit of God? Because if he moves, I want to move with him. Wherever God's territory goes, you go with it. And that is the call for we who follow Jesus and make his name known in a lost world. Pray with me. Jesus, I thank you that you call us into a world in desperate need. 
Your spirit rests within us and empowers us. So send us out into this world to make your name known. Teach us to give freely because we have freely received. Teach us to love recklessly and to forgive those who have wronged us. And everywhere we go, may your word be on our lips. May we at every moment attend to your spirit and never turn away. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.